Welcome to High Performance Mindset with Dr. Sindra Kampoff. Do you want to reach your full potential, live a life of passion, go after your dreams? Each week, we bring you strategies and interviews to help you ignite your mindset. Let's bring on Sindra. Welcome to the High Performance Mindset Podcast. This is your host, Sindra Kampoff, and I'm grateful that you're here. Ready to listen to episode 204 with Sue Holden Brown. Now, the goal of these interviews is to learn from the world's best leaders, athletes, coaches, and consultants, all about the topic of mindset to help us reach our potential or be high performers in our field or our sport. Now, with two episodes weekly, we explore everything related to mindset. You can learn secrets from a world-class consultant like today, or listen to me provide a short, powerful message each week to inspire you to be at your best consistently. Now, if you know that mindset is essential to your success, this is the podcast for you. Now, today I've interviewed Sue Holden Brown, who is a former Olympic equestrian coach, a multidisciplinary mental skills coach, a business mentor, and an executive coach from Australia. She's a businesswoman and an internationally published author whose published books include the book that I read called Mistakes Worth Making, How to Turn Sports Errors into Athletic Excellence, and this is published by Human Kinetics. She recently launched Equestrian Coach Education International earlier this year, which is the world's first online hub for equestrian-specific coach education and professional development resources. She's also a classically trained equestrian rider herself, who is coached in England, Ireland, and all over Australia. In this interview, Sue and I talk about what is mistakes management and how it applies to all areas of our lives, sport or outside of sport. We talk about the principles of mistakes management, why we need mistakes management skills, the best mistakes management strategies, the ideal way to correct a mistake, then she provides coaching tips so that we can help other people deal with a mistake. So my favorite part about this interview is when she talks about how mistakes are just simply variations in performance. And when I asked her, you know, how do you correct a mistake? And she said, well, you don't. It's history. But you can minimize the consequences and modify your next effort, which is really what this podcast is all about. And before we head over to Sue, I'm going to read a rating and a review over on iTunes. This is from A Torb. A Torb says, top notch and you must listen. This podcast is really upbeat and packed with actionable tips to stay focused on what you need to do to be successful. Thank you so much for keeping us on track. Highly recommended. Thank you so much, A Torb. I super appreciate your rating and review over there on iTunes. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I encourage you to wherever you're listening to head over and leave a rating and review. So thanks so much for joining me here today. You can find the full show notes and description over at syndracampoff.com slash sue. That's syndracampoff.com slash sue. Thanks so much. And without further ado, let's bring on Sue. Sue, I'm excited to talk with you joining from Australia. How are you doing today, Sue? I'm well, Sindra. Thank you very much. It's delightful to be here and thank you for the invitation to join you. Absolutely. I read your book some time ago, several years ago, Mistakes Worth Making, and I really yeah. wanted to have you on the podcast to talk to you more about our, you know, our approach to mistakes, what you call you know, mistake management. And I wanted just to learn more about kind of what you've been doing since then. So thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure, Sindra. Thank you. Thank you. 
I know that the listeners are going to get a lot out of your interview. So to start us off, tell us a little bit about what you're passionate about and what you're doing right now, Sue. Well, I'm passionate about excellence in performance. And uh, I have a pretty wide range of interest in that. I don't really mind whether it's sport or business or the art. It's the, the process of learning to do something really, really well. The discipline that that involves and the learning skills that someone has to bring to such a task fascinate me and, and always have done. Mm. Um, I have done a lot of coaching in the past, of course, but now I'm into coach development and coach education. And I have just spent the last three years building the world's first uh, online hub for training and professional development resources for equestrian coaches. Mm. And this is across all levels and all disciplines. And it, it's grown like Topsy. <laughs> it started off as a, a small idea to help the Australian coaches at the time who needed more learning resources. And it was a small mind map on an A4 piece of paper. And it's grown now. The entire site, the architecture of the site has been re rebuilt three times. And it is huge. We're just trying to manage it down a little bit right now because there's more to go. But it's a fascinating project and wonderful to feel that it might be useful. <laughs> Absolutely. And you yourself are a former Olympian equestrian coach, so I could see, you know, why you might be interested in that and passionate about that. Sue, tell us a little bit about how you got to your career now. How I got to my career now? Oh, my God. Well, I'm a classically trained equestrian to start with. So that's like saying you're a classically trained dancer. You know, that, that took me 10 years in Europe of, of training and discipline to learn the, the equestrian skills and really I wanted to share them because it's like being given the crown jewels when you have something like that. Mm. It's uh, quite unusual and, and it's not to be kept in the cupboard, it's to be shared. And so that has led me to, to coaching and teaching others and um, I was particularly interested in coaching coaches and teaching coaches how to coach well, and those who coach well, how to coach better. And that led me on and then further into, into exploring some of the dynamics of the actual coaching structures that we have in, in Australia to try and contribute to them. And I set up the coach education system here years ago, and I'm now very involved in refurbishing it, which is what's happening here today. Absolutely. So Sue, you know, today what we're going to talk a lot about is, you know, mistakes management, something you call mistakes management. And, you know, we, we might give some examples in sport, but mistakes management also applies to any activity. You know, I know that you are, you know, you're a mental skills coach, but a business mentor and executive coach. So what we're talking about today can apply to business, performing arts, cooking, gardening, maintaining relationships, you know, practicing life skills, you know, many different ways that we might um, make mistakes in different arenas we might make mistakes. So tell us first, Sue, what you mean by mistakes management. Well, that's exactly right, Sindred. It does apply to everything. And, and we all make mistakes all the time. I mean, that's the way we learn. It's the way we are. We're never born just doing everything wonderfully well. We have to we have to make mistakes and find out how not to do things. 
And uh, mistake management, it's a little bit, um, it's a bit like risk management. You know, risk management once upon a time didn't exist. And now everybody's well and truly familiar with it. Um, and mistakes management is a little bit like that, but it's a, it's a whole system of managing your mistakes because mistakes management is facilitating your success through understanding and thereby controlling these mistakes, these errors. If you don't really understand them, what happens is we repeat them. Okay. Because mistakes like to go together. They're always plural. They always run around in, in, in lots of... Um, lots of good companies. So we need to understand them because they will reoccur like anything else we learn. We're very good at learning mistakes just as we are good at learning anything else. Right, absolutely. So we facilitate our success by managing these mistakes that we have. Tell us what you see the process you know, being in terms of what do you see that the best do in terms of getting over their mistakes or letting go of their mistakes and learning from them? Well, there's a whole system. The first thing you have to do is understand the mistake. There are lots of different sorts of mistakes, and, and this has not been understood before. We tend to think, oh, yes, we make a mistake. Well, we do, but which one? Because they all have different causes, and therefore they all have specific corrections. If you don't understand the cause, you can't give the right correction as a coach or for yourself. So you need to really understand what sort of mistake it is, what causes it, what triggers it, what makes it happen in the moment, and then you can say, ah, now I've got you. Now I know what's really behind this and I can fix it. But up until that time, you don't know, and, and it, therefore you are at risk of doing it again. Okay. When you keep a, when you keep a, a mistake log, this is helpful because it, it enables you to know what, how big your mistake was. I mean, obviously the big ones you'll remember, <laughs> probably, <laughs> but there are lots of smaller ones that you also need to keep tabs on. And you can decide whether you want to put up with that, and lots of times we do, or whether you want to do something about it. So the first thing is, Keep a log of your mistakes, and then you can start to, that's really the first part of an action plan to deal with them. Got it. Okay. So what about, Sue, those people who maybe are listening and they're saying, I don't know. I don't know if I want to write my mistakes down. Do I really want a log of my mistakes to, you know, what if I keep on remembering them and that really I want to let them go? Uh, what would your response be to that? Why, why do you think that we need to make sure that we're keeping this mistake log? Ah, well, I think to, to think that you just want to let them go and forget about them is, is dangerous territory mm. because that means you're ignoring it. And that's, uh, you want to ignore the mistake and forget about it. But that's not a good plan. You need to deal with it uh, because if you ignore it, sure, as eggs, as eggs, it will come back to bite you again. So... We need to own your mistakes. You need to say, hey, look, yes, that one's mine. Now I can deal with it. But to do that and be kind to yourself as you're doing that, mm-hmm. you have to get rid of the idea of perfection in your life, that you, you don't make mistakes. And you have, to, you have to reorganize your ideas about what a performance of any kind 
is. It's lots of little mini performances. And some of them are good, and some of them are brilliant, and some of them are terrible. And some of them are muddling, muddling along in between. And that's fine. That's perfectly normal. And if we doubt that, all we need to do is to have a camera and to look at what we actually do. And we see some bits are good and some bits are not. Or we can listen. I mean, I'm going to listen to this podcast and I'm going to listen to me saying, um, uh, uh, oh, and all sorts of silly things like that. And that each one is a variation on my vocal performance. I could say they're a mistake. So I have to say that's okay. That's all right. right. And once you've owned up to it, once you've owned up to it and you said, this is fine, this is perfectly usual, everybody does this all the time, then you're in a position to do something about it. Right. It sort of reminds me, Sue, like how do you even define what a mistake is? You know, and what would you say about the definition of a mistake? I would say a mistake is a variation in performance. Okay. It's not, it's not good. It's not bad. It's hmm. not terrible. It's just different. I like that. So it's not, it's, it's not, you're not evaluating or you don't need to evaluate it. Right. And, and maybe what you were saying about being compassionate with yourself. I think sometimes we are so judgmental of ourselves after we make the mistake. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. You need to be kind to yourself and say, look, everybody does this all the time. Mm-hmm. If you ask somebody to say something, if you ask them to wish you good morning 10 times in a row, each time they say it will be a little different. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and you choose, they choose which one they like, which one they want to use. So, yes, you need to be kind to yourself. Hmm. And I think, Sue, sometimes we think that we need to, if we beat ourselves up more for the mistake, then maybe we won't do it again. But, you know, <laughs> I would argue just like you, that the more that we're compassionate with ourselves, the better we're going to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. All that happens if you beat yourself up, you put another scar on your confidence. Mm. Mm. So that doesn't help to beat yourself up at all. You need to say, ah. I don't need that variation in my performance. Just as you would say, I don't need that particular, you know, I, I don't need to, to burn my breakfast again. I don't need that variation in my breakfast performance. You know, I can cook breakfast without burning it. And so you weed it out. How do you weed it out? You find out why you burnt it, whether you answered the phone when you were cooking it, whether your dog distracted you, whether your child distracted you, whatever might have happened, and you say, okay, I will rearrange things so that doesn't happen again, therefore I don't know my breakfast. Um, it's, it's no good saying, oh, I'm a terrible cook, oh, I made such a mess of my breakfast, it's awful. Well, that may be so, but you don't need to go to that party. Absolutely. Yeah, and Sue, you've already talked about some principles of what you call mistakes management. Like you said, don't ignore the mistake, kind of own your mistake. You said, you know, plan for excellence. I'm not perfection, I heard you say. What might be some other principles of uh, mistake management? Well, you need to to, uh, understand or perhaps accept that mistakes management is a process of value. We only have things in our lives that we value. We wouldn't waste our time on something that we felt was no value. So I guess you don't 
easily take mistakes management on board until you see the value of it and recognize that by getting to the bottom of mistakes and sorting them out and understanding them, therefore you can you can uh, arrange your life so they don't happen again or they don't happen so often. And uh, that's a very important thing to, to give mistake management space in your life to happen. Okay. It also helps you, it also helps you if you have a mistakes wise coach mm. because the coach can see things that are quite difficult to see for yourself, uh, as we know. And you also need to, to develop a series of mistakes management skills. Okay. Okay. Yeah, perfect. Sue, let me ask you two follow-up questions on that. First, what do you what do you see as a, a coach who is mistake wise? What what do you mean by that? And and maybe it could be a coach, but I bet it could also be a manager or it could be a boss. So what do you Absolutely. think what does that mean to you? To be mistake wise is to understand the different sorts of mistakes and why they happen. And if you talk of a manager or a boss at work, I mean, it may be that the mistake is an organizational mistake. It's not an individual's mistake at all. If uh, your boss is aware of that, then you're not going to get the mistake laid at your door if it is not, in fact, your mistake. So to have somebody with you in any capacity who understands mistakes management and understands the difference different types of mistakes and how and why they arise will be very helpful to you sorting out your own mistakes. And give us a little snapshot on which different, what are the different types of mistakes that we can make? Oh, there's lots of them. (laughs) (laughs) The big ones. The big ones are survival mistakes. We've all heard of survival mistakes. I mean, a car crash is a survival mistake. Going, uh, tumbling down a ski slope is a survival, could be a survival mistake. Getting into the wrong sort of surf could be a survival mistake. All sorts of things that happen that really, while we say we should learn from our mistakes, I think there are some mistakes we should never make. And survival mistakes, we we should never make. They're they're dangerous, they compromise us, and they usually finish our our Mm -hmm. confidence off in that activity. Um, we've got comic mistakes sometimes when, when people laugh at us, and we've all had that happen when we're terribly embarrassed, we've, we've said the wrong thing or we've done the wrong thing in front of others, and they laugh at us, and the mistake itself may not be particularly significant, but the laughter is, and we find that difficult. Serial mistakes, mistakes that recur again and again, and we might go back and talk about those, but they are quite tricky to correct and they but they repeat chronic mistakes also repeat but they repeat over long time frames we all make skill learning mistakes we make big mistakes when we're beginners we make technical mistakes when we are intermediate learners and we make probably timing is the critical one of advanced learners and they are quite normal the thing is, we don't want to stick with them. We usually want to progress our skill learning. There are lots of other sorts of mistakes. Follow-up mistakes are common, where we make one mistake, and then we're so distracted by it, we go and make another one. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> At that point, we think, whatever we're doing is falling apart. Mm-hmm. 
a good uh, a good place to see that's on the tennis court where you, you very often you get one mistake and then it's it's not catastrophic but it's distracting and it rattles your confidence cage and bingo there's another one a follow-up yes. mistake I'm thinking about how that happens quite often in golf as well. <laughs> you know, you see you're distracted by a mistake and thinking about that mistake that, you know, you've continued to make another. So Sue, what would you say are the skills that we need to be able to manage the mistakes? Oh, awareness is the first one. Okay. Uh, awareness to, to understand the mistake. We certainly need that. We need to have the skill to recover, to, to refocus on what you're doing. Recovery is difficult because mistakes have an emotional backlash. They, they shake your confidence, they increase your anxiety, they may include embarrassment or, or all sorts of other things. And you need to be resilient, emotionally resilient to cope with that. So you need to have some mental skills training, preferably. It's helpful. Things like imagery are very useful. And if you have imagery skills, then that's terrific. Um, it's hard to retry. It's hard to, to have another go sometimes, especially after a bad mistake or a mistake at a critical time in competition. It takes a lot of courage and not everybody can front up to that and try with as much commitment as they did with the first effort that went wrong, especially if they don't understand why it went wrong. So it's, there are lots of, there's a whole swag of things there, which normally a lot of sports people would include in their mental skills training, but specifically need a real awareness of yourself. It's the metacognitive skills, I guess. You need to be able to watch yourself in action to recognize the triggers that make you do things and to recognize what you're thinking when you make a mistake. I think We're that's what's about. hard for, for people, right? To sit back and watch themselves sort of like, you know, being be a, like sort of like a flying eagle over themselves and being able to watch right? what's happening. Yes, yes, it, it is. And most of us, it's not... It, it's not so difficult because we're not making critical mistakes. If you're talking mm -hmm. about high performance in sport, yes, they're critical mistakes and you need all these skills really finely honed. But in general performance and recreational performance, you don't need that. You do need, you do need a reasonable awareness and a reasonable sense of responsibility that, yes, I did that. Now I want to choose. Am I going to do that again or would I like to change it? And that's not so difficult. Okay. Okay. And I know, you know, you were talking, Sue, about these different mistakes that we, we experience, survival, comics, serial, chronic, or the examples that you provided us. How would you, I know you have a way of kind of quantifying those mistakes by kind of the size of the mistakes. Tell us a little bit about that so we can learn more about your perspective. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, Micro mistakes are the little ones. They're the tiny ones that the elite athletes make. They're the ones that account for tenths of a second here and there, and, and they decide the medals on the, on the rostrum. That's not really our sort of territory for most people. Mini mistakes, when you're out and about, and 
where a lot of people would enjoy competition, uh, perhaps not quite the level of the elite athletes. Take their, yeah, still costume, but they're not quite of the order of the micro mistakes. Mercury mistakes, now these are quite big, by, in, in mistakes terms, they're quite big. And these are the ones that most of us make most of the time in what we're doing. They're quite recognizable if we care to have a little closer look at them. And they're more easily corrected because we can, we can identify them more easily. So we needn't be afraid of them. They're quite, they're out there in, in everything. And we can just decide, well, do we like that bit or don't we like that bit in our performance? If we like it, we keep it. If we don't like it, well, how are we going to get rid of it? And then we've got the mega mistakes, the biggies, real biggies. And we make those usually when we're learning something for the first time. They are a normal part of learning a new skill of any, any sort, particularly sports skills. And so that's okay. We will probably outgrow them as we get better. And then as our performance improves, we make maximum mistakes. If we get really good, we make mini mistakes. And again, we can choose how good we want to get with all this stuff. And if we want to go to the elite level and the absolute tops, well, we've got to get rid of all this lot. And so we're right down to making the micro mistakes of the elite athletes. But most of the time, we don't need to worry about those. We'll stick with the maxis and the minis, and we'll totally avoid the mega ones if they're survival mistakes. But mm -hmm. we'll accept them if they're just normal learning mistakes. You know, and Sue, as you're talking, it's easy for me to apply what you're talking about to like sport because, you know, I'm thinking about elite sport and competitive sport and recreational sport, yeah. but we're also talking about today how mistakes happen in business and, you know, in life. Yeah. Can you give us an example of maybe what you might say is a, is a micro mistake in business or in life? A micro mistake in business. Well, that might be maybe forgetting your way in a, in a, in a presentation momentarily mm. at a meeting, at an important meeting. It's not enough to throw the whole thing off course, but it's just enough to, to maybe for you to take the shine of it. It might be so small that, that the people there didn't even recognize it, but you knew. Right. Because it deviated from what you were going to do. Right, and maybe something very small. And maybe it did impact your confidence for a little while because you know maybe you're yes. questioning if you if you were going to get it back, but you know that it that it was pretty small and minor. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. And I know Sue, you talk about these different systems that mistakes can can happen within. Tell us a little bit about these systems and what you mean. Okay. can be grouped fairly easily. Let's start with the easy ones. The physical or the mental systems that we all have. We are, our, our strength, our fitness is our physique. If we're in sport, obviously that's critical. Our mental systems, our ability to, to concentrate and, and to engineer our, our tension and anxiety levels, to control them to focus. These are our mental systems, our, our mental equipment. 
our self-management system is all about our body management, particularly relevant again to sport, our emotional control and resilience, the effects that sometimes significant others have on us, that we allow them to have on us. And that may be that may be your parent or your sponsor who comes to see a training session in sport. It might be your boss who comes to a, an important meeting. It's anybody who's significant in your life. And your self-management of that situation is, is important. Another system that we all have is our learning system. This is how we learn, how well we learn, how we like to learn. And that's important when it comes to mistakes. And as I mentioned before, sometimes mistakes are not ours, per se. They're actually the organizations that we're with. Maybe equipment isn't working properly or the system that's been set up is not appropriate to what we want to do. And then there are circumstantial things like uh, weather conditions or crowd pressures, we're talking sport, or like important people being at meetings that, that we don't know them, we don't know how to deal with them, or they come in unexpectedly. Those are circumstantial things that are beyond our immediate control that we have to deal mm -hmm. with and may cause us a mistake. But it's not actually, we, we made the mistake, but the cause of the mistake was not within ourselves. It was within, it was circumstantial. Absolutely. Okay. So the six were physical, mental, self-management, learning, organizational, and circumstantial systems where, you know, th those are examples of mistakes or and tell us, Sue, do you think that depending on these systems, does that determine how we should address the mistake and how we should deal with the mistake? Or do you think that really doesn't matter? Oh, no, absolutely. It determines how we deal with the mistake. And this is why it's so important to understand these systems and know where the mistake really arises from. Okay. Because, for instance, if you have, if you make a mistake that uh, is based in your physical system, maybe it's a fitness problem, then you address it by changing your fitness training. If, however, it's rooted in your mental problem, or maybe it was a concentrational problem, then it's no good doing all the fitness training in the world. It's not going to change things. If you lost concentration at a, a critical moment, that was not because you weren't fit physically. It was because you needed better concentrational skills. So that's where you go to retrain your concentration skills and therefore to avoid making that mistake again. Mm. So it's so important that you know where it comes from because otherwise you can busy, be busy saying, oh, you must pay better attention when actually it was because you weren't strong enough or agile enough or well enough prepared or whatever it might have been that was not uh, in the same system that you're addressing. So it's important that you do know which system gives rise to your mistake because that's where you go to make changes. Ah, okay. And, you know, do you see, Sue, are people pretty good at, you know, understanding maybe which system that their mistake falls in or, you know, as I'm listening, I'm thinking about how, you know, I might make a mistake where, you know, I, I let's say I make a, an emotional control mistake, which would be within self-management. 
But I might really infer that to a lack of confidence or maybe the judges or the officials or the weather conditions. Like, do you think that people are pretty accurate at understanding, you know, where their mistake or what, why they, they experience the mistake? I think they're very accurate. Yes. And at knowing really what's happening. I don't think they're necessarily accurate in sharing that information. Of course. (laughs) Unless they feel it's in a safe environment. And that's why a coach, a mistake-wise coach or or a mistake-wise boss is so important because they they are the people who will not just jump on a mistake and say, oh, don't do that again. They will have the caring to say, I understand what's happening here and it's okay that it's an emotional control mistake. We don't have to say it, it, you know, it was the officials or it was the weather or, or something else because you're too shy to say it's an emotional control mistake. So that's very important, the context in which the person is, is trying to find help with their, their mistake here, that the, the, the boss or the coach is caring and kind and, and makes it a safe environment for them to do this. Okay, great, Sue. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about strategies that we should use individually when we make a mistake, uh, something you call mistake management strategies, right? So what we should do. And then, okay. let's, then let's talk about, you know, how we can be a mistake-wise coach or leader or boss. So let's kind of okay. divide it in that way. And, and tell us a little bit about first individually, what would your recommendations be? Like, what should we do then when we experience the mistake? Okay. Well, you need to be proactive. That's the first thing. And that, that, is, that is very different from being dismissive and saying, oh, I mustn't do that again. Or being negative. You know, mistakes are good things. And they have a lot of bad press, but they're good things. So you need to bring them in from out of the cold there and uh, say, okay, I'm going to deal with this. And to recover from, from making a mistake, that really is the most important thing to do first. Really take them on board, embrace them as part of uh, your performance and your management plan to deal with them. So you promise yourself you're never, ever, ever going to ignore them. Then you refocus on what you usually wanted to do, or you change the goals of what you originally wanted to do. Sometimes, uh, you'll see this very, very often in, again, going back to tennis, you'll see somebody who, who goes to serve an ace, and it's at a critical moment in the game, and it goes straight into the net. And what do they do? Do they, do they try to serve another ace or do they change it and they serve out wide? Well, it's very interesting. Some, some just refocus and go straight back to that ace, but most of them will go wide. And it's your choice. You can, you can refocus and you can do the same thing again if you're absolutely sure and certain that you can do that or you change your goal. Ah. And then you have another go. Oh, I was going to ask you one question about that before you move on. So when you think about refocus, right? Like, could you tell us a little bit more about how you would suggest people refocus? Yes. The most, the most useful thing to do is to uh, use your visualization skills, imagery skills, and do a lightning run through your technique, through the fundamentals of your, your technique, 
and the giving yourself the positive outcome that you require. It also means blocking out things like crowd noise or, or weather conditions or anything else that might be distracting you and you're focusing on what you are about to do. And the most important thing to do that with is your routines. Um, so you need to bring in your pre-performance routines at that point, absolutely the same as you have done every day of your life in practice for heaven knows how long beforehand. <laughs> ah, nice, nice. So recover, you said, recover from the mistake refocus it by yeah. doing imagery, you're focusing back on your routine. And then tell us a little bit more about what else we should do. Well, you need to manage your learning experiences in training to review your goals and your milestones and make sure they are appropriate and that you're not overstretching, overreaching your skills, making sure that your goals are absolutely in sync with what you're doing and the and the point at which you're at with your skill development you need to plan your mistakes management so that you understand the different sorts of mistakes you make at different levels of skill learning and be kind to yourself that you know you make big mistakes when you are a, a beginner you know that you make different sorts of mistakes and you need different sorts of coaching through your learning stages. If you have a coach who understands this, you'll, you'll be in good hands. And then of course you need to practice. You need to practice your mistake management skills just as much as you practice your sports skills or your business skills or your presentation skills or any other skills that you are, are using. Your mistakes management skills must be practiced just as well because you'll be practicing your mistakes just as well if you don't do that. Okay. Okay. So yeah, recover, refocus, retry is kind of what you're suggesting in terms of how to, how to address the mistake. And do you think, Sue, that we should correct the mistake or what do you think about that? No, you can't correct the mistake. It's happened. It's history. It's gone. <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> um, well, I guess all you can do is to minimize the, the consequences to to change what you're doing, yes. you didn't like it, and to, to mitigate, again we go back to the risk of management, mitigate it happening again to, to say, okay, I'm going to put a fence around this. I don't really want this in my life, so I'm going to make sure that I contain it and I control it and I mm. have a go at working out what's going on. And that first of all means you've got to own it, and revalue it as we have talked about. And we also have to redefine what you feel is success. I mean, sometimes just having a go at something is success. It's huge success. Especially if you've been intimidated by a task. It's, it's the very first presentation you give at work. It's going to stand huge in your life. You can tell, oh my goodness me, most people would rather die or pay taxes and they would stand up and speak in front of other, other people. So success is standing up there and doing your best with or without the mistakes that that involves and you have to congratulate yourself on that. And when you've done it a hundred times, well that's a different matter, but 
success is is very personal and you define it for yourself and you don't let anyone else on the planet define it for you. Mm-hmm. So we, we shouldn't correct the mistake, right? I think sometimes in, in sport, at least, we think we should correct it. Maybe that we should yes. try harder <laughs> or make up for yeah, it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. But really what you're saying is like, it's done. It's, it's history. We can't correct it. Right. But, but all we can do is contain it and contain our reaction to it. Yes. And maybe trying harder is the worst thing in the world you could ever do. And we'll probably ensure you make it again. Yes. Isn't that true? Yeah. (laughs) And you, you suggest Sue that we should understand the sort of the trigger you know, for the mistake. Tell us about that and like, why do you think we should understand that? Like, what do you mean by that? Okay. Every, every mistake has a trigger. It has a little button that we flick that makes the mistake happen. Sometimes it's a thought. Sometimes it's a memory. We remember a similar circumstance, and oh dear, there we go again, and we do. Or sometimes it may be our self-talk, the little voice in our head that doesn't always say kind things to us. And it might say things like, oh, you make a mess of these sorts of uh, strokes or these sorts of um, words or whatever you're doing. And this little voice might be quite unkind sometimes, especially if you've made mistakes before. And that can be a trigger for making the same mistake again. Sometimes it's what other people have said to you. Right. And it might be, it might be anybody who's, who's said something that was perhaps a unkind. You know, oh, you fluffed that one, didn't you? Oh, gosh, well, you've got to know that. You know, you don't need anyone else to tell you. <laughs> But sometimes those words come back to haunt you. Sometimes it's a feeling. It might be a feeling of anxiety or nerves that you feel out of control or you feel threatened or worried or anxious. So depending on what that trigger is, you can bet your bottom dollar that that is the trigger that will trigger the same mistake in similar circumstances again and again. And also, you know your own triggers, and uh, you'll get to watch for them after this. <laughs> Absolutely. Think, oh, what was I thinking? What was I doing at that moment? It might even be an action, you know. You might brush the hair across your face or something like this just before you do something if you're really anxious. And bingo, that's the trigger. It becomes the trigger for your mistake. Uh, perhaps you start to stutter or lose where you're going or with a conversation or something like that. So there's a trigger for every single mistake and we have to know what that is because then you can flip the switch off so you don't okay. use that to make it again. And two questions I have about that, Sue. Do you think these triggers are always conscious or would they you know, be something that uh, would be subconscious? Sometimes they're subconscious, and this is why to have a coach helps you so much because the coach can perhaps see or or ferret out some of the triggers that you find difficult to identify yourself. 
some of them are very easy and you will, once you get to look for them, you will understand them. For instance, feeling butterflies in your stomach, you know, you'll know that and you'll, you'll recognize that very easily. But sometimes if your stress level gets too high, maybe your chin or your face turns a pale and you won't see that, but maybe your coach could see that and could say, now look, it's time for some better, better tension management here. So a combination of you and your coach will help to, to sort out the ones that are obvious triggers and the triggers that are not so easy to find. Okay. Okay, great. And Sue, so let's kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about mistake-wise coaches or bosses or leaders. Tell us again what, what you mean by that. And then, you know, if you could give us some, some tips or tools or suggestions that you might have for people to be a mistake-wise coach, leader, or boss. Okay. Well, I think as, 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 as a leader of any kind, if you have someone in your team who makes a mistake, you need to, you need to assess the, the size and shape of that mistake and the impact of it. And that may be very obvious, generally speaking, but it may not be so obvious, the impact on the person who's made the mistake. And you need to think about that because mistakes that are made publicly in front of others uh, often have a very damaging impact on the person who's made them. It can, be, it can really dent their confidence and uh, be very upsetting for them. And this has an impact because as a leader and as a boss or as a coach, how are you going to address that? Are you going to do it in front of everybody else? Or are you going to do it quietly to one side? Are you going to do it as though the mistake doesn't really matter that much? Wasn't that catastrophic? But it sure felt that way for the person involved. Well, you've got different values here which need very tactful handling, very kind handling, because something that may not seem very significant to you as the boss or as the coach may be it feels terrible for the person who made the mistake. So you need to do that because that will steer how you, how you address the consequences of the mistake. Okay. To and do what, that. Yeah, for sure. Keep going. To do that, you need to ask the athlete or the team member or uh, the person who made the mistake, you need to ask them what exactly happened for, for them, not for the general rest of the world. What happened for them? Why, what, what were they thinking at the time? What did they do exactly? What did they do? You know, did they lose concentration? Well, they don't know. You can say, well, what were you thinking about? What were you thinking about? Oh, I suddenly remembered. I wondered if I'd left the stove on at home, you know? Oh, of course that will distract anybody if the house is on fire. So, uh, what exactly did they do? What, what were they thinking at the time? And it's very important that you try and let them express that, let them tell you exactly what they were thinking and feeling and doing at the time. 
And how did it feel? How did it feel? That's a big key to knowing where to start. You know, how did it feel? They felt tired. They felt excited. They felt nervous. They felt frightened. How did they feel? That will give you a great help when you put that together with what you have already established as the size of the mistake for them as to how, go, how to go about helping them through it. Mm. Okay. Then we've got the systems. You can work out the systems. Was it an emotional control problem? Was it a, a fitness problem? Was it this? Was it that? And lastly, you can identify the triggers with care and letting, letting the, the person who's made the mistake talk to you, not you as the leader talking to them, which is usually the way that mistakes are addressed. Somebody says, oh, you, you mustn't do that again, and, and, uh, and that was terrible, blah, blah, blah. And, well, hang on, hang on. Let the person speak who made the mistake and let them work out the triggers and with some help if you, if you can, and work out also the frequency of this, of this mistake, how often they've made it, because that's difficult. For sure. You know, Sue, as I'm listening, I'm thinking about how coaches and leaders and bosses might, they, they definitely like in general, don't follow this process where they ask somebody, you know, to tell us what they, you know, ask them these questions that you suggested, like what exactly did they do? What were you thinking? You know, how are you feeling? And then they, you know, at least generally don't identify the trigger. So I like the idea of really having this caring and loving environment where, you know, you're not punishing for mistakes, but helping exactly. people better understand the mistakes that they made and, and perhaps the yes. triggers and then helping them better understand, gain more awareness of what happened. Yes. From, from the point of view of the person who's made the mistake, if they have a coach or a boss or a leader who does wade in and try to punish them for the mistakes, all they can say in their own defense is that the leader is making a mistake and doesn't mm. realize it. <laughs> right. Right. Because it's a mistake to try to punish someone who has made an error. They know they've made an error. They don't need punishing. Sure. Do you think that any yeah. mistakes should be punished uh, for at all? Like meaning, okay, let's say I, I have two boys. And let's say one punches the other. <laughs> okay. Uh, what do you think? Uh, they tend to wrestle around a lot. So, okay, well, let's say one gets a little crazy. What do you think about that? Do you think that might be a mistake that, you know, as a parent you should punish? Or what are your thoughts on that and the impact of punishing how that might impact the behavior later? Oh, goodness, that's a quite a run. Um... In general, I think punishment is a fairly negative thing. It tends to have more negative consequences than it does positive. Okay. That's, that's difficult. I mean, as an equestrian coach, I come up against that. You know, should you punish in, in, in equestrian terms? And the answer, generally speaking, is you can usually avoid it. Sure. Yes. And, and yes. That's only, only because the consequences are likely to be less than useful if you can avoid punishing if you can work your way around it and discipline yes oh yes we all need discipline and boundaries in our lives yes but punishment 
Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not so sure about that one. Got it. Got it. Well, that was a, that was a tough example. <laughs> so <laughs> let me throw that out to you. So your, your book, Mistakes Worth Making, How to Turn Sports Errors into Athletic Excellence. This is published by Human Kinetics. Tell us where we can find this book, Sue. Well, you can find it online. Um, the it is it, I've got the second edition in in um, preparation. It was in print for many many years. It was tremendously successful. But I want to to I've had a lot of time to think about this since then. So I would like to now. I'm working on the second edition, which will be available in eBooks and it will be available online through Amazon or, or other other um, agencies. Okay, perfect. When could we expect that to come out? Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Soon. Yeah, no date. No date yet. Okay. <laughs> I'd like to say later this year, I'd, like, I'd really love that. Because yes. uh, I want, I've been asked by so many people to do the one on, well, the first one people ask about is relationships. Oh, you must, you must write this all about relationships. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. Um, that would be much too difficult, but I certainly would like to do this on business and uh, in, in, in business coaching and in, in uh, the workplace because I think there's a lot of scope in there for productively helping people who do make mistakes, and of course they do. This is, it, must, it must somehow be possible to make mistakes the norm rather than than the uh, than the, the terrible sort of uh, aberration that they generally are um, mm-hmm. in the workplace, and to make them normal, and say, okay, but which normal do we want in our lives? And um, to then choose not to have repetitions of mistakes we, we don't like. Okay. Got it. And Sue, how could we reach out to you or follow along with you? Or what are the ways that we might learn more about what you're doing now in your work? Well, of course, up on the, on the internet, on Facebook and things. And, and also busy writing, very busy writing and lecturing. And I go to a number of conferences around the world. And sometimes these papers are available on the net. But what I'm looking to do is to put my own presentations on this sort of work up on the net. And certainly anybody's welcome to contact me through Facebook. I'm very happy to talk to anyone who's interested in this and, and to give them any resources that I can. I would, I would love to discuss my ideas with others. Excellent, Sue. Well, I'll make sure that I post the links to contact you on the, the show notes page and people can go over to drsindra.com and, and go slash yes. Susan slash Susan. Yes. And you'll be able to find the description of today and some tweets that you can tweet out some of the key points that Sue made as well as an opportunity to follow along with her later. So I wanted to tell yes. you how appreciative I am for, you know, I know that we're in different time zones. It's five o'clock here, (laughs) 8 a.m. there. So uh, we had some fun times scheduling this interview, and I'm just so appreciative that you joined us there from Australia to really talk about 
how we can best overcome mistakes. And Sue, I wanted to tell you what I really got from this interview. And my favorite parts were you know, this idea that we can become a mistake-wise coach or leader and how we might do that. And then I, I liked what you said about, you know, when we, a strategy we can use to overcome the mistake and you said recover, refocus, and retry. I liked that. I thought that was really sticky. But then also, you know, as a mistake-wise coach or leader, better understanding why that the person made the mistake and asking them these crucial questions like, you know, what exactly did they do and what were they were thinking and, and how, were they were, how they were feeling, and then helping them identify the triggers, which is something that I think we don't kind of dive into what causes the, the mistake to help people understand it. So I am grateful that you spent time with us today and for all those listeners. I'd like to say thank you for them. Thank you for joining us today, Sue. Oh, my pleasure entirely. Thank you so much, Kendra. Thank you. Thank you for listening to High Performance Mindset. If you like today's podcast, make a comment, share it with a friend, and join the conversation on Twitter at mentally underscore strong. For more inspiration and to receive Syndra's free weekly videos, check out drsyndra.com.